Welcome to the Healing Embodied Podcast, where we have real and raw conversations about growth and healing that will shift your perspective in profound ways. We take a unique approach to healing the overthinking mind, creating conscious relationships, and living a life of courage and freedom. So take a deep breath and get ready to expand your mind, connect to your body, and activate your spirit. Welcome back to the Healing Embodied Podcast. This is your host, Chelsea Horton. I am all giddy and giggly because today in front of me, I'm on Zoom right now. So virtually in front of me, I have an amazing client that I've been working with for a little over a year now. Her name is Liz. And I wanted to bring her on the podcast so that you could have some behind the scenes insight into what it is that we do here at Healing Embodied, how it actually impacts the people we work with. I talk a lot on this podcast about my journey, my take on the work, and you know it's going to be very biased if you're only hearing my side of the story. So I want to start amplifying the stories and the experiences of our clients so that you can hear that it's not just me who has experienced and benefited from this work. It's not just Sarah. It's not just Mariana. It's people. It's like actual people. I mean, I'm a person too, but you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's not just me standing up here and singing the praises of what I do, because obviously I'm going to do that. There's other people who have been impacted by this work in such a deep way. And I want to hear their side of the story. And I want you to hear what it's like to work with us and what is possible for you. Uh, I know a lot of clients that we've worked with have said how helpful it was for them to hear other people's stories. It gave them a sense of hope. Like, okay, if this person who was struggling with what I'm struggling with was able to get through this, then maybe, maybe there's hope for me too. So I want to just share that hope and, and hear all the incredible wisdom from Liz. So here she is. Hi. <laughs> um, thank you so much, Chelsea, for choosing me to be that person to inspire hope and or instill hope and inspire others. Um, I am so honored. Like it's over almost, almost overwhelming <laughs> how honored I am to be your first client guest on the show and And really to have that opportunity to share with everyone my experience, I'm going to sing your praises, but also like I'm (laughs) going to sing my own too, because there's so much about this work that's amazing, but it is just a path that you guide us on. And I think that it takes a certain level of courage and and, uh, innate self-love and awareness to get to the point of where I am and where I'm going to continue going. And I don't know. It's just so amazing to think of where I was before I started at with healing embodied and where I am now and the amount of hope I have now. Um, and to be able to share that with other people makes me a little emotional. <laughs> um, so yeah, thank you. I'm really excited. Yeah. I, you were the first person to pop into my mind because, you know, you're, you're still working with us today. And especially when, when we're like in a group setting, 
you have just so much wisdom to offer people who are maybe at a different phase in their journey, or maybe you're like a little bit further ahead of where they are. Maybe you're several steps ahead, but you always have this beautiful way of instilling hope into people. And while letting them know, like you 100% get it. And there's this humility about you and also this just very bright light. And I know that you, you've said that other people see that in you. And I just, I want to always reflect that back to you, that light. That's just so evident. Thank you. (laughs) Wait, you're singing my phrases already. This is we're having a moment everyone (laughs) (laughs) I thank you that means so much for me to hear that and what I want to add to that is that yes maybe when we're in group I hear people's stories and I immediately immediately I'm like I know I was there and sometimes I get so excited that like I gesticulate really intensely and Sarah's like Liz you have something to say (laughs) um (laughs) And I share, but then also like, it's, I might be further along in understanding, but there are still things that come up for me. Anxiety and OCD have a way to surface shame. Let's just call it shame has a way of surfacing different um, behaviors and thoughts. So when I give this advice, I'm still following it at the same time. Like I'm still experiencing the same things. It's just in a different way, Um, which I think is what has been so powerful about this work is to like feel less afraid of it when it happens to see it for what it's. Yeah. Oh, and I'm so with you. I mean, like the, it's the whole practice, what you preach thing. Like even the, the stuff that I, I teach our clients, it's like, I'm still living that too. It's like, when I come up against a difficult emotion, when I'm having a challenge, when I'm having a trigger, the things that I walk my clients through is the same process I'll walk myself through. And like you said, maybe it feels less scary. Maybe it feels less intense. Um, but it's still like a way of being a way of meeting your humanness. And that doesn't just stop. Like, it's not like a, I have achieved this thing. And now I never have to like, walk through that, walk through those steps anymore because I'm suddenly absolved from being human. Right. It's so funny because in the beginning, like when I first was diagnosed with the OCD, I remember reading about ERP and it was like, most people see results in eight weeks. And I looked at my boyfriend and I was like, I'm going to be better in eight weeks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and now it's, 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 I like hold that person close to my heart. Cause she was, she just wanted to be better and to not feel this way anymore. But now I've learned that it is about feeling it and it's about processing and being with it. Um, so it's actually much better than like, you know, using a tool that gets you through it, like that you're kind of like tightly getting through within a certain period of time rather now I'm just, it's a way of living um, and experiencing. Yeah. Um, It's being with, yeah. Yeah. Being with instead of being away from being with the experience instead of coming away from the experience. Right. I love that. And so what I want to do is dive in a bit more to your story, your more specifics of your story and your experience. So I'll just ask some guiding questions and yeah, just lay it on us. So let's, let's talk about what it was that brought you 
to working with us. And you can be as specific as you want or as general as you want, whatever you feel safe sharing, but just share with us like what what were you experiencing that that brought you to working with us? <sighs> Boy, yeah. So I had been in talk therapy for years. Um and during that time that I was in talk therapy, I was a huge advocate for it. Like people would tell me, you know, that they're struggling with stuff and I really encouraged them to do mm-hmm. talk therapy. I really felt I loved it. Um, And I think that one of my biggest strengths is my awareness. Mm -hmm. And so talk therapy and CBT specifically very much aligned with um, my need and desire to look within and put things into a box. So categorizing like, okay, I have this thought, what kind of distortion? There's like a list of distortions you can through, and then you label it and you say that is black and white thinking that is catastrophizing. And that worked for me for a while. Um, But that all kind of started to come to a head when I began to distrust my mind. Um, Mm -hmm. When in reality, now I I recognize that I was showing signs of OCD and extreme anxiety, but I didn't know that that's what it was. Um, You know, I just was taking it to CBT to my therapist and they would kind of validate what I was thinking. If it was about my boyfriend, it was kind of like, well, yeah, that's an annoying behavior. And I would be like, I, you know, I just, it would cause the obsession to spiral a bit. Um, so I thought that they were real. I was learning kind of in, in talk therapy that these thoughts were something to investigate and, and mm. think about, <laughs> which encouraged my rumination, which is my biggest, strongest compulsion. Um, so throughout my couple of years of doing CBT, it started getting worse and worse. And then I met a wonderful human being, um, and, uh, OCD really just spiraled. I was having really, really intense intrusive thoughts, specifically sexual themed intrusive thoughts, um, that terrified me and brought a lot of shame. Um, but I kept, you know, pushing them down and pushing them down. And they were so shameful that I wouldn't bring them to talk therapy because from the experience I had, it was, well, let's talk about that sexual intrusive thought, um, which would perpetuate the shame. But then finally, uh, one day I just Googled, why am I obsessing about my sexual orientation? I literally Googled that <laughs> um, because for about a month, it just popped into my brain. Actually, it was through a tarot card reading <laughs> and it was a very accurate reading now that I look at it. But then it um, the present moment was that I'm in shackles of shame. And if I don't, if I release those shackles, my future was that I'm going to, it was a queen. So it was like, you're going to be a queen. (laughs) But in that moment, my mind immediately said the shackles of shame are that I'm secretly gay and I don't know it. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I spiraled and for weeks it was just really scary because it's just a part of like, I'd never thought about that. And it never had that attraction. So of course my ego was latching on kind of like, we need to figure this out. So anyway, when I Googled that first thing that popped up was OCD. And I was like, Oh my God, what? This is OCD. And then I saw there was ROCD, which I, you know, at that point also we were coming up on a year anniversary (laughs) and I was, you know, 
really sweating, like, are we checking all the things for our one year? Are we meeting all the expectations? And so that was starting to spiral. I learned about POCD, so many other sexually uh, themed subtypes, harm OCD, you name it. There was, there was a lot on there. I was like, oh my God, I had that thought. I had that thought <laughs> or that fear. Um, so shortly thereafter, I was finally diagnosed with OCD and I started ERP therapy. This is August of 2021 right one yeah, yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. uh yeah august of 2021 i started erp therapy and i really felt a strong disconnect to that modality i know that it's super helpful for people and i'm not putting it down at all um it is in some ways helpful for me still like what i learned through erp but it just i experienced some trauma in my life, like big trauma and, and little trauma. And I just, I really had a strong sense that my anxiety and OCD were being driven by these unresolved emotions. Um, and there was always this voice, which I can now categorize or identify as myself, like capital S that was telling me, keep exploring. Um, and that voice was quiet. Like there's that wow. voice of OCD and anxiety that feels just as real, but it's like, now I understand that that voice, what that feels like in my body versus this tender, quiet, peaceful voice that was like, yeah, keep going, keep looking. Um, and that was the voice also that told me when I was obsessing over my sexuality and having these sexually intrusive thoughts, which was like towards my family, towards my cat, like it was really bizarre and intense. That was the voice that when I dug deep, it said shame. When I was like, what is happening right now? What am I feeling? And all I felt was shame. Yeah. Um. So after learning that, doing ERP, kind of feeling this disconnect with it, I, I like so many people probably listening to this, started following all of the <laughs> accounts <laughs> on Instagram. Um anything about OCD, about relationship OCD or relationship anxiety, um, any account I could find. And that's how I found you and Healing Embodied. Um, yeah. And I started following, you were at that time doing Love love Over Fear. Lush, Luscious Love, right? The Love Over Fear YouTube series. That yeah, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right? By the way, everyone, we have a, a YouTube series called The Love Over Fear Show, and it is deep dive on a lot of stuff. So you can check that out too. You're welcome, everyone listening, because it's there are gems on there. And you were just blowing my mind. So much of what I was reading was like, oh my God, this woman knows. Um, like you yourself had experienced so many things that I really related to. I also grew up in a super religious household where it was very like be a good girl. I'm first generation American. So there was struggle within my family to make it here. So I felt a lot of tension in my home. Um, and yeah, I just really, really, really resonated with a lot of what you and Sarah had to say. Um, and I think I'm, I, I'm, what I remember is that I messaged you on Instagram on Halloween, right? Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was basically like, help me, please. I love you. <laughs> What do I do? <laughs> yeah. And then I luscious love. Yeah. So that's, that's how I got to this work. And that was in 
November of 2021. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And it's 2023. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I just, first of all, I love hearing like your story again. And it just, I see, I just know there's so many people hearing your story who whose jaws are going to be on the floor because like, like you, they probably are like, oh my God, I have these horrible thoughts. What does this mean? What's wrong with me? And for you to be so courageous and say like, yeah, I had this and I experienced this, I experienced this. People are going to be blown away at the fact that this is a human experience that other humans have. And that it, you're not alone. You're not bad. You're not wrong. You're not broken. Like there are other incredible humans who are experiencing this too. Um, so just thank you for opening up and and sharing that. Um, so my, this is going to kind of take us into the next question, which is why did you feel that there was a need for body and movement work? You talked about talk therapy, ERP, and you said there was like your capital S self was like, explore more. So why did you feel like you specifically needed body and, and movement work, which is what we do at Healing Embodied? Yeah. So I, um, I don't know if I've shared this with you, but I had a, this is like seven years ago. I had this intense revelation <laughs> while I was driving my car. Bear with me. I promise this will relate. Um, it was like eight o'clock in the morning. I was, I'm not a morning person. I had an hour commute to my job. I'm driving. Yeah, I know. I'm driving like, <laughs> like a slump. Like I'm like half awake with a coffee in my hands, like one foot on the gas and my other leg was up. It was just very slumpy. And then an animal crosses the road and I immediately, like I square up, I grab the wheel. And as soon as that happened and I was safe, I had this moment of like, wow, our bodies know how to go into safety safety mode. And it just like kind of turned into this realization of how we rely on to have good mental hygiene through our physical body, but we don't necessarily know how to tend to our emotional body. Because I thought of like in times of turbulence, we kind of spiral and we don't know how to found that, find that like foundation of emotional strength. But I had this revelation. I didn't know what to do with it. Because I was like, what is this? I like I couldn't stop talking about it. It was so major for me, but it kind of eventually what I what I turned to because I didn't realize that dance movement therapy or somatic therapy was a thing was really focusing on mental hygiene. So like my mind was thinking, okay, what if you're upset and your leg is broken? So you can't go for a run or you can't go for a walk. How do you soothe yourself. And it was like, okay, positive affirmations, no negative self-talk, like meditating, all of those things, um, self-soothing techniques, taking a bath. And so I was doing those things, but in my experience with OCD and anxiety, it's a quick fix. And then, or you're in a bath and you're having intrusive thoughts and you're like, what's that? What's that? Go away, go away. You're pushing them. So it kind of started to grow and grow. And I didn't know what to do with it. So now fast forward to everything I just explained of my experience before and coming across healing embodied. And I see you and Sarah talking about dance movement therapy and specifically really educating folks on the nervous system and how your nervous system state 
has an impact on your mental state. And I was really intrigued. And it was like kind of bringing back this past revelation of, okay, this is the stuff, right? Like that's the foundation of being able to pause and understand what's happening in your body and, and work with that in order to take on whatever it is that's coming your way. Um, so yeah. Also with that, I love dancing for years. <laughs> like I, I use dancing as an outlet for just release and fun. It was my time to like be funky and weird, do laundry and put on a song in the living room and <laughs> dance. And then like, it, it was a lot of fun. Um, but then with OCD, it, it kind of, it took that for me and I, it found it very triggering. So uh, I found dancing very triggering. So I wasn't dancing for a year. And then again, I found your account and I was like, wait, <laughs> is there a way I can get that back? Because it OCD took so much away from me, but for it to take that too, it was kind of like, you're, you're taking away my humanness with mm. this. Um, yeah. So I, I decided to like inquire with y'all on, on what it's like and yeah, here I am. So that's yeah. how I got jealousy. <laughs> I didn't know that about that car experience, but yeah, it sounded like you had a very clear experience of the, how, of how involved our bodies are in everything on such a subconscious level. Like there was no conscious choice in that moment of I'm going to sit up, put my leg down, square up and be alert. Like it just happened. Your body took over. And that's what, yeah, so many people's emotional bodies hijack them, right? Like from a mm -hmm. place of fear, their bodies just take over and they don't know what to do with that. Or they don't even, they don't know how to use their bodies as their ally in feeling safe and in working with their mind as well. Right. Yeah. It's so fascinating because there it's, it's hard to understand that it's hard to, um, or it was for me, at least I had that revelation and I still wasn't connecting to the fact that I have an emotional body. It was more of like, I rely on my physical body. If I'm upset, I work out and then I feel better. And that's true. But then that becomes a compulsion or, or coping mechanism within itself. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's this balance of like, yes, being physical and like treating your body well, but there's also this other part of us, our, yeah. our bodies that we need to tend to too, because there's just so it's just, it's really important to connect with that. Um, actually I was, I remember I was telling a friend of mine, this revelation I had at a bar, um, and this woman overheard this older woman and she came over and she was like, she brought a beer, which I was like, Oh, thank you. <laughs> Not sure what was happening at first. Yeah. And it was like, my husband and I overheard you talking and I lost my daughter two years ago. And she said that she became a marathon runner after she lost her daughter as a way to cope. Mm -hmm. But then she broke her leg in an accident and she couldn't deal with like all of the emotions of her daughter's death came back to her and she couldn't deal with it. And she's, she was telling me about how she had, she was in this deep depression and didn't know what to do yeah. with that. So she bought me a beer to thank me for making her, helping her realize that she was relying on her physical body for comfort and soothing. Yeah. Um, 
but realized that she had to go deeper. So it was just a, a nice, like it, it, it's not just for OCD or anxiety. It's for life. It's for grief. Emotion. Yeah. Joy. It's for everything that like we can connect with our emotional body and, and heal and feel and experience. Yeah. Um, it makes it so clear, like the different layers of our being, like our physical body is like the, it's what gets us to point A to point B. We use it to run and walk and work out. And, but then there's, yeah, like you said, something beneath that it's still in the physical body, but there's something else to it. It's like, it's our emotional, which is kind of where the physical and the mental meet. And most of us growing up, aren't taught what to do with that layer of our being. So we either use our physical body to kind of escape from it, like excessive exercising or eating or sex, like which, which alone, they're all great things. They're neutral. But if if we're using them to escape our emotional body, then yeah, like what happens when one of those things is taken away or one of those things ends up hurting you? We have to learn actually how to work with our emotional body as well. And it's just as important, if not, in my opinion, the most important, just from this experience of like, okay, if I break my legs, yeah, I'm left with my mind. Like if I think about it that way, without realizing that I have this whole emotional body, mm-hmm. then what is my mind going to tell me? It's yeah. gonna, the same stories are going to be there. The, all the grief that I've experienced, but I don't know how to process. It's going to be viewed as anxiety as depression. Um, so yeah, that's, it's all three are major. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I just, I feel really thankful that I came to this work to help now finally connect that part of like, oh my gosh, that's what's been missing. I, my emotional body has been sitting here like, hello, we tried sending you a message. (laughs) Did you not (laughs) get it? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. But it's, it's making me think like, you know, there's a lot of, most therapy focuses on the mental self, like our, our mental being. Or there's ones that are like, oh, just do yoga, just work out, like how work that's good for anxiety, which is true. Like physical fitness is very helpful for our mental well-being, but there's something else there too. Cause like you said, you could be doing yoga, you could be taking a bath, you could be meditating, you could be running, and your mind is still there, but then like taking over, but then there's all this emotional energy that we have to really pay attention to. Right. Because once your adrenaline drops from whatever thing you just did with your physical body, your mind is still feeling your emotional body and trying to process what those emotions are. So then that's when it's like, you hate your job. You you're fat. Like all the shame stories come up because it's trying to process or project what is happening in the emotional body because it isn't I mean, obviously you can, there is a narrative to it. You can speak to it, but what I've learned so much is that it's more of like movement and being with, it's like a bigger life thing. It feels like evolving. It feels like I'm connecting with the universal consciousness and my own deep consciousness and connection to the universe. And I could talk about this all day. My favorite part of this work. I love it. Uh, and that's what I experienced in my um, 
my experience of dance therapy is, you know, like we're working with the body, the emotional body. And yet somehow I never felt more deeply connected to my spiritual self. Like coming from a religious background, thinking that I'm spiritual, but being so disembodied or learning that my body is bad or my emotions are bad, push them down, push them down. But then actually like connecting to my emotional body, I was like, oh. like, did you feel this deeper layer of being this interconnectedness, this oneness, you feel that life force energy that is life, that is God. Oh, we're going on a tangent here, but <laughs> I'm, I'm so with you on that. And just, um, yeah, this work, it's, it's the emotional, it's the, it's the physical, it's the mental, it's the spiritual, it's, it, in, it includes all aspects of our being as humans, instead of kind of trying to categorize mm-hmm. uh, our experience, it, it brings it all together. Yeah, it's less, it becomes less about problems to solve, which is what talk therapy felt like. Like, let's really target the things and label them and then eradicate them. And it's, and that is kind of like what ERP felt like too, of like, just ignore it and don't pay attention to it and it'll go away, which I know that works for people and that's fine. But again, there is this part of me, the self that was like, dig deeper and you'll find what you need to connect with. Um, in a way that's like more sustainable for me again, as yeah. I, I see that. Um, yeah. You yeah. said something else where I was like, oh, I, I mentioned this at the very beginning about um, courage, the courage it takes to do this work. And w- when you said um, something about how connecting to your emotional body, it's like kind of illuminates things for you. For anyone that's listening, that's like, that sounds too scary. I know. And you're not wrong. (laughs) Like it it was very, very scary for me. And it still sometimes can be, but I now recognize that pattern and that fear coming up, but it takes courage to say, this feels scary, but I'm, I'm going to, to, to try, I'm going to push past that fear because I want to see where this is going to take me. And that's when like little by little, it's like you you pick up some rocks and you see some light shooting out and you're like, okay, I got to keep, I got to keep going. Um, yeah. So I I just, I just wanted to say that just in case anyone, cause I know thinking about where I was when I would hear stuff like that, it was kind of like, they don't get it. They don't understand. Um, that's not me. I'm different. Uh, I absolutely had those thoughts and I worked with them and and now I see them for what they are, which is fear trying to protect me from feeling what was what's underneath those rocks. Um, And it's really beautiful. It's connecting with the parts of me that I've put rocks over. (laughs) I'm using this thing that came out of me. I like the rocks. (laughs) I like metaphor and imagery. And yeah, for so long, our mind has been disconnecting us from from those emotions. And so to, to actually start getting into those emotions, your mind and the fear is like, what are we doing? Like, we're not like, don't go there because only bad things live there. Um, but it's just that we've never actually learned how to be with those emotions. So our mind has said they're dangerous. They're scary. Bad things live there. Don't go there. I have, I have memories of me as a child having intrusive thoughts that I pushed down. And I remember thinking you will never address that 
because it will kill you. Mm. I remember being a child and thinking that. And now I am addressing those things and it, it isn't killing me. Was it painful? Yeah. And scary? Yes. It brought me to my knees. It was really the most difficult year of my life. And I've experienced a lot, but it's worth it because it, it is about dealing with those things and looking at them and saying, I love you anyway, mm-hmm. that you start to get closer to home and to who you are. Mm. Yeah. So powerful. And you already started touching on like some of the fears and hesitations you had about doing this work, but were there any other like hesitations that you remember about like saying yes and, you know, signing up to work with us? Like, were there any other hesitations that came up for you? So many (laughs) threw a ton at me. Um, Yeah. It was the classic, like, would this work? What if it doesn't work? What does that mean about me? What if I fail? What if this is the wrong decision? Um, What if I'm giving up on ERP because I'm scared? Like it was kind of like, am I giving up on one thing? Am I being flighty in that sort of way? Um, I think the biggest one, which shocker to no one, um, is what if I find something out about myself that I don't want to be true? Um, And I think the thing about ERP is that you don't really address that so much. It's that sort of thought you would just say, okay, maybe it will happen. Maybe it won't. And that's where I was like, oh, I just have to dig deeper there. Like, why? What am I so afraid of? Um, of finding out. And even saying that, I like, I, I feel a little bit of activation because that emotion was so yeah. intense. Um, and it showed up in different ways. You know, what if I'm different from everyone? Like I was saying before, you hear someone's story and you say, I'm different. Like, I don't really have OCD. This is all real. Um, so those, yeah, those fears were, were really intense. feeling, mm-hmm. And what was it that allowed you to acknowledge that fear and still step forward anyway? Honestly, I desperation mixed with my, the self capital S like knowing that there was this part of me, this quiet, almost like she was like in a corner, just like, go for it. Just try it. Um, And for the reasons that I mentioned earlier of um, liking dancing and, (laughs) and really relating to a lot of your story specifically um, kind of made me be like that I got to do this. I have to try this. Um, And I'm so thankful I did. Mm. Really thankful for that, that self sitting kind of just being like, girl, come on, go do it. You know what you need to do. Yeah. And it's just the awareness and the acknowledgement that if you have fear or hesitation about something, see if there's another part of you that's also there as well. You know, like, yes, the fear is there, but what else, what else is there? If there's something that you're feeling drawn towards that you really resonate with it, it's like sparking something in you, but the fear is like, no, 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 no. See if, if you can also connect with another part of you that's there, the part of you that does feel drawn forward, the part of you that does feel inspired and and hopeful. Even if that part, like you said, is very quiet and kind of hanging out in the corner, just see what that part would have to say about 
you know, taking a risk like this. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of what I meant about desperation too, of like, and this was also my fear was that ERP wasn't doing much for me. It taught me certain things Mm -hmm. for sure, but it wasn't, I wasn't feeling connected. So that's where I was searching for the, another part of me because that desperation was a little like, ah, this isn't really doing much. And I need to find a a part of me that's going to guide me. And, um, and it did, it brought me to you, but Yeah, I guess I'm not loving that I'm using the word desperation. (laughs) I'm overthinking it a bit right now, but um, I just knew that it wasn't working well. There was a part of me and I decided to go with that part of me. So I had to make a choice and say, do I want to stick with this thing that I could be chickening out of, but I'm not really connecting to, or do I try out this thing with this company that every time I listen to you I, I walk away feeling like I can breathe for three seconds because mm. I for so long I was holding my breath and I just was like I needed to like release and just listening to you allowed me to do that um and I had to take that chance yeah it, it really yeah. is a chance that you just say okay I'm gonna do this because the thing I'm doing is not working and I feel inspired or like drawn to this thing over here yeah, it, it is a leap of faith. It is a risk and it, it's a choice that, that we make of like, okay, for whatever reason, I'm, my body is responding with a deep breath. Every time I connect with this person, like, is this something I want to choose to move towards, even though I have all these fears and hesitations? Yeah. So powerful. Um, now let's kind of take it into the resistance or fears that you noticed during the process of this work. I know you kind of spoke to how like scary it was or intense, but as you were actively in this process and working with us and and doing the movement work, what sorts of things popped up during that process? So I've grown to love resistance and see resistance as opportunity. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Um, at first I was perceiving resistance as like signs. Um, you know, it would kind of perpetuate that OCD fear of, of like, Oh, this isn't for me or, um, I'm special. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I'm not your typical OCD person when I would feel that resistance, but again, just putting trust in this decision I made. Um, I just decided to like, as per your guidance and Sarah's guidance of just being with that resistance at first, I couldn't become super curious about it because then my mind would say, this is what it means. This is, um, what it says about you. So then it was just like, okay, well, what does resistance feel like in my body? What does it Mm -hmm. look like? Um, and then starting to like recognize that this was resistance for my inner child. Like this part of me that is still, I'm still working with her, but um, the part of me that said, don't talk about this or you'll die. (laughs) You know, that like, she was like, what did I say 20 years ago? I said, don't, 
bring this up. We're not doing this. So there was so much pushback in that way. But yeah, so the, the resistance came in so many different ways, primarily as my inner child and also my ego. So it took a lot of courage to recognize that my ego was at play and it was not willing to release our, our let go of societal expectations, um, whether that be on my relationship, whether that be on my personality and my perfectionism, it, it, and that is stemmed from inner child as well. Like she was like, okay, in order to be loved, we have to do X, Y, and Z all the time. You need to have people love you. Um, you need to be the most likable person in the room. You need to be the most attractive person in the room. Um, and it's really incredible how learning to release that it feels terrifying yes. and oh resistance God. comes in to be like, no, 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 bitch. Yeah. <laughs> do, not do that. I set this in place to protect you. Yeah. And yeah. So like little by little working with resistance to say, okay, we're doing this anyway. <laughs> um, and learning from y'all, like how important it is to, to have self-compassion and love for those parts of you because they are there to protect you. Yeah. I get frustrated and I understand why, but when people are just like OCD is bad and I understand why I, for most of this process have hated OCD. I've been, you know, it's, it's mean, it's horrible. It's disgusting. Um, but now I see it as the part of me that is protecting me. Um, sorry, I went off on a little bit of a tangent. Oh, it's so necessary because that's the resistance that comes up is our, our protective mechanisms that have been in place for so long. And when we do this work, we're asking them to step aside or we're asking them to soften or they're asking them to try something new. And they're like, um, excuse me. Like, I'm not letting this go. Isn't it incredible that it knows like the fact that I felt so much resistance now I see is an indication of how good this program was. <laughs> like it, it's like it knew like, oh, if you do this thing, I'm going to have to be like removed. And then what are you going to do? And that's where like the self-trust comes in of, of, well, I'm going to handle whatever's there. And it's little by little. We don't do things intensely all at once. You right. can't. Um, but it's just incredible how it's like, even that part of us knows, um, I didn't feel much resistance with ERP. I, it was just kind of like, oh, I know I have to say this or behave this way when I, when these thoughts come up, but with dance movement therapy and, and working with healing embodied, there was so much resistance to, to accessing those parts of myself. And that for me was the key. That's where it was like, oh, and that's why I love it because I'm like, <laughs> Oh, why am I even now it's like, why am I resisting writing in my journal? And it's like, okay, it's probably because my perfectionist wants me to do it well. So then I have to like kind of be with the perfectionist part of me and say, I'm gonna scribble. Um, we had a a like a weekly project, no assignment, task. Yeah, yeah, sure. Challenge yeah. is the actual word, hashtag <laughs> weekly challenge. Um, in the program I'm in, uh, trust and love where we had to like, um, be creative. And I was really nervous about that because my anxiety and perfectionism is very much like you have, if you're going to make art, it's going to be perfect. 
like it's going to be a work a masterpiece people are going to be inspired by what you create um and long story short of it like i ended up kind of being like fuck it i'm just gonna color with these two crayons that my nieces gave me and not care about the outcome and then the outcome shockingly not shockingly was great like it was so cute and it made me happy and i felt like i connected with my inner child but it's it's like going through that that army i know that we've talked about shame being that operating system that protects us that's like you you know shall not pass you can't come in here <laughs> stay away it's, yeah. it's going through that and then seeing like oh my god it is not so bad over here <laughs> yes it's scary courage it takes a lot of courage to do this work it does it does and I love that you spoke to the fact that like resistance came up so much in this work because we are challenging like we're pushing on the edge right like we're actually challenging those old patterns and kind of like poking them gently so that they rear their heads so that we can see them like you said the resistance oh wow this is actually my inner child oh wow this is actually shame oh wow this is this old story that i didn't know was there but until you invited me to do this thing i had no idea it was there but then it just came up so it's like bringing it brings everything that's been kind of dormant or subconscious in on, into the surface into the light these things that have been hiding in the shadows like bringing it into the light so that we can look at it and say is this even serving me anymore? What else can I do to feel safe? Because the protective mechanism says you can only do this in order to be safe, or you can only do this in order to be loved. And so we're like challenging those things and having like reparative experiences and saying, and experiencing, actually, no, I can be safe if I don't figure it out. I can be loved if I'm not perfect. Like we're having these embodied experiences that go against these old operating systems and protective mechanisms. Totally. I mean, it's, I was just thinking about um, this woman was once talking about, she's kind of talking about shadow work, which is a lot of what we do in, in working with healing embodied as well. But it's like the further you are from your shadow, the further you get away from it, the bigger it gets. So it looks scary because you're moving away. You're kind of like, oh my God, that thing is massive going to consume me. I I can't, I can't challenge that you're looking away, but as you get closer to it, it becomes smaller and smaller. It's never going to be gone. It's always going to be there, but it's little. And you look at it and you just see it for what it is. It's a tiny baby shadow <laughs> and it's less scary because you've gone towards it and you see it for what it is. So that's mm -hmm. like so much of this work is not stopping at resistance, not stopping at this being so scary and so massive and elusive. Like, what is that thing? And just kind of trusting and loving and just approaching it and seeing it for what it is, which is our humanness. Yeah. Oh, I love that imagery. Yeah. I know, oh, me too. I love that. Everyone <laughs> take that with you, write it down, put it in your pocket. Um, yeah. So I guess my next question I have here is, and you've already spoken to this a lot, but just to get more, more anchored into this, how has body work been beneficial? What has it given you? What hasn't it? I mean, 
truly. I mean, I, I, that's like a cheap answer. So I'll, I'll get into <laughs> it. <laughs> I just, I'm so, I feel so lucky to, been, to have been given the ability to do this work, to have found healing embodied. Um, and you know that I love you and Sarah and Mariana. So I say that because of that, but it's primarily like selfishly for me too, to kind of be like, I'm so thankful and lucky to have found you all. So I'm going to say that. And I'll say, um, I just, I relied so heavily on my mind and my ego in the past. I even, again, like aside from that revelation, cause that was huge. There have been pockets of like me being like, I rely on my mind a lot. I'm in my head. I'm not present. I'm not, my mind is not disciplined. I would think nasty things about myself. And I would have the, like that self would come in and kind of be like, wow, that was weird. Or that was like, what is that? But then I would just go on about my day. Cause I didn't know what to do with it. So body work has allowed me to remove power from my mind and my ego and shift it into my body, which then it's, it's like the self, the, the person that is me is able now to like view it all. Like I am not just my emotional body. I'm not just my physical body. I'm not just my mind. I am all of it. I am the person that's observing it and being with it, yeah. um, which is a huge gift. I mean, I like, I try not to be dogmatic about this work, but I'm a little like <laughs> everybody, what are you doing? Or, like, like, come over here, just do this. Um, <laughs> Cause it's so major. Um, and to like simplify it too, because I know that people like, I'm saying this from a place of being, Ooh, I feel myself getting emotional about this, but where I was a year ago is I love her and I'm so proud of her and where I am now is tremendous. And I just want people to hear that and know that like, you can tell me anything and I will tell you, I know, and I understand, and you're not alone. And I think what this work has helped me do is have the ability to discern um, because anxiety and OCD feel so real. I think I, I said that honestly, not exactly like thousands of times I said, but it feels so real. How can this not be real? It feels real. And I think the thing is that it's not, not real. And I don't say that to like trigger anyone. I'm saying that to validate that you are having feelings that your mind is trying to process. Um, the ability to discern is the ability to say what I was saying before of having yourself say, Oh, I'm in this state. I'm recognizing this pattern and this behavior that doesn't feel like home. So I'm going to do what I need to do to work with that so that I could come back home and be in my full loving present self. Mm. Um, that that's like, it's still a work in progress for me. Um, and it probably always will be. And that's okay. There's, I think there's going to come a point that it will it's already a little fun, but like, it's going to be kind of like, oh, okay, I know this. And I recognize this and I can be with grief and I can be with sadness and fear without whipping up all of these shame stories and really deep fears or projection of fears. 
that then take me so far away from home that I'm not, I, I was, I think I remember telling you in therapy, like, I felt like I was climbing a mountain and it was like, like such thick fog that I couldn't see where my hand was reaching. Mm-hmm. Like I couldn't see anything. And now I'm, I, I have people following me up the mountain. I'm calling out to you up top. <laughs> like, like it feels so much more like I'm still on this, but I'm doing it and I'm recognizing a bit better um, so much better. Who am I and who is the parts, who are the parts of me that are afraid and, and scrambling to fix things and scrambling to, to make things better and have stories for whatever emotion. So yeah, the ability to discern has been huge. (laughs) Yeah. And that, I mean, that's it. That was exactly the, like the result of my experience with this work too. And I, I was chatting with a client earlier today um, about this and I, I I'm calling it embodied discernment, right? Cause like when we're in the thick of anxiety and OCD and our shame, there is so much confusion. Like you said, it's like this thick cloud. You come so far away from the, the truth of who you are that you're just, you feel so lost in your own body mind. And like this work, the result of this work is an embodied discernment. Like there's a felt sense of this feels like shame. I don't care how convincing my mind is of what it's trying to throw at me. I know what shame feels. I know what anxiety feels like. I know what fear feels like. It feels like that. Yes, my mind is doing a real good job at cooking up a story that's really hooking me in, but I, I have this embodied discernment of what feels like me what feels like home the essence of who i am like you said the the embodied essence of love and that the the witness who witnesses the experiences and then the embodied ex- discernment of this is my old programming this is shame this is anxiety this is fear this is not actually the truth of who i am Absolutely. I'm just thinking about how, when you were mentioning what you talked to your client about what I was saying of like being so far away from home for folks who are listening, there is a, there is a vulnerability with that too. Like my OCD was so creative and I, I, I think I've experienced all the themes, even recently I health Mm -hmm. anxiety or OCD or whatever latched on because everything else I'd been working on it and it latched on. I was walking around, um, I forget which store, but I was like mourning my death thinking I was going to, I had cancer and I was going to die. And I was like, wait a second. Okay. It kind of got me because I hadn't experienced that. And then I realized, wait a second, I'm not home. I, I mean, I'm literally not home, but emotionally I'm not home right now. I'm off in like, I kind of wandered off again. So recognizing what that feeling of not being home is like, and not like trying to rush and fix it because then we know that that's also like a perfectionist or, you know, it's a behavior that you don't want to be compulsive and just fix that feeling. It's kind of more of like seeing that part of you that's doing that and witnessing it. Like we've been talking about with that self and then using the tools of recognizing, okay, I'm in grief is what was happening when I was literally like, I was grieving my own life. So it was like, okay, this is a projection of all the grief I have. I lost my dad 
four years ago in March and it was super tragic. And it was, I think it like really set things off for me, but there's, so there's a lot of grief inside of me. So I'm going to be with my grief. I need to cry. I need to talk to a loving friend and allow that part of me to be there and then console that part of me too. And, and, you know, match it with love, um, which I know we've talked about how grief and love are on the same, it's a pencil. Um, Yeah. So I guess I just bring that up for folks that like, it's creative. And when you're far away from knowing what home feels like, it's going to latch onto anything it can, even if, even when you are familiar with what home looks like, it's Mm -hmm. going to latch on. And the, the beauty of this work is, is that ability to discern and be able to say, Oh, I know what this is. Okay. I'm going to take my time and be with this and do what I need to do without this. Like my doctor and be like, can you see me right now? I I'm afraid I have a tumor. Like all of those thoughts started happening. Um, yeah, sorry. Again, I went off on a little tangent. No, but that's such, that's such an important distinction. I like that you mentioned that it's not like when you recognize you're away from home, you scramble to get back home and you, you're scrambling away from those feelings. It's the awareness. Oh, this is something that's, that's not the truth of who I am. This is an emotion. This is a part of me. This is something that needs my loving attention and awareness. Um, what need, what do I need here? Like what, what is needed here? What is this part of me needing from my capital S self from that loving witness, that loving inner witness. And as I, as I meet that part of me with love, I am home. I bring it home. I integrate it. Right. Right. It's happening naturally without you even realizing the ride like you just yeah. are because you're 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 with it i also want to say that again curiosity takes courage as well because i think in the beginning for me it was again that like you want me to be curious about this i'm shame was so strong that it was like oh you want to be curious about what's going on you're a bad person and here are all the reasons why no one should be near you you should be alone for the rest of your life and then i was like okay you know, but having courage to, to say, okay, well, no, I don't really think that's true. Like what's actually happening underneath that layer of shame and that pr- protection, protective mechanism was all, it was grief primarily. It really, it's, it's so much of it was, has been grief for me and my experience. And so when you see that it's, first of all, a tremendous realization of like, wow, what's on the surface is not what you think. <laughs> it's amazing because it's convincing. It is so convincing that it must be these things. Yeah. And I must be dangerous. And like I it has to be that. But then you work with incredibly intelligent and wonderful human beings who are able to let you see, like, no, you, you at your heart, at your home, your love. And there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. So how do we keep you? coming back to that mm. oh, oh I have like chills all in my body oh, <laughs> oh it's oh, mm. my heart is just like so open and full right now and just hearing you reflect all this so I'm I'm getting so much out of this <laughs> just like hearing hearing your experience um so I feel like you've already answered this question um 
but if there's any anything else you want to add about you know what are some of the most impact if you want to like distill it down maybe into three things that come to mind of three of the most impactful things you've learned or experienced in our work together yeah i actually love this question and it's funny you say three things cuz i have three things prepared <laughs> <laughs> Well, one of them is with a quote, if you don't mind me sharing. Bring it on. I love a good quote. So the first thing I'm going to share, I think, is one of the most important parts, or it was one of the most important aspects for me, and that's surrendering. So really, without accepting, because I know a lot of, like, a lot of, in the beginning, a lot of what I heard is you have to accept your thoughts. And I was like, I'm having disgusting thoughts. How do I accept that? But surrendering to them for me was very empowering in a way because I wasn't giving them power. I was holding power by saying, okay, I'm just going to be with you. I'm too scared to know you yet, but I'm going to just surrender to your tantrum and just be with you. Um, And Elizabeth Gilbert, um, are you familiar with her? That name sounds very familiar. Uh, she's an author. I think, I think she wrote eat, pray, love. Okay. Yeah. She's just, she's like really, she's like a Brene Brown sort of human. Um, but this is a quote by her. She says, you are afraid of surrender because you don't want to lose control, but you never had control. All you had was anxiety. And that for me was so like, yeah, if we don't surrender, we're trying to control and that is what anxiety is, is to say, no, 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 that can't be true. I, can't, I, I And these are all the reasons. And I'm going to try and control this outcome because I don't want that to be true. But if we just surrender to it, then we're not trying to control it and it moves along. And, um, and then the more you do that throughout, through some of the other work you do it, you build that courage and seeing that, oh, if I try not controlling everything, then it doesn't stick. It actually flows. I'm creating ebbs by trying to have control over what's going through my mind and what feelings are coming up. Um, So that was huge. Another part was accepting our humanness. Um, So the thoughts, feelings, emotions, again, not accepting the content of them, but just what comes up um, and not giving a narrative, just being like, wow, I feel a tight lump in my throat. I remember in one session, this is at the beginning, I said, I feel a lump in my throat and I'm terrified it means I have to leave my partner. Mm. And it's like, what, where, where did that come from? It is my mind projecting anything it can, all the fears I have into these emotions, but really ultimately it's, it is an emotion stuck in my throat that I just through the tools that you've given me, I know how to like work with and release. Um, and finally, and also super important, important is, uh, self-compassion. Um, it's really hard doing this work and not wanting to rush, 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 and be down on yourself because you are going to have setbacks. And I don't, I know we don't like calling them setbacks and I don't like calling them setbacks either, but we have moments where we're like, wait, this is an old pattern or I'm having those thoughts again. We'll, we'll call them a, a revisitation. We're, we're having a revisitation. We're revisiting something. 
something that we don't really love. And then shame loves to be like, look at you, look where you are. You're failing. Back to square one. (laughs) Yeah. All that work for nothing. I told you, I told you. Wow. Fail. So rude. (laughs) I don't love it, but you know what you taught me is that that part of me is awesome too. She's just doing the wrong. She's been given the wrong assignment. If I can have that sort of attitude towards like things at work or people trying to take advantage of me, stuff like that, then like, I I, like redirect that energy towards things that actually benefit you rather than totally inward of her just shaking her finger at me. Um, I see. I see. I like to see her as like a dominatrix, like holding a whip and she's like whipping you and you're like, wait, 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 no, no, no. Like, how can I use this inner like whip holding mean (laughs) dominatrix? Like, can I actually like find something beautiful in this part of me? You know, (laughs) totally. Exactly. And that's the self-compassion is to be like, you're me too. Mm-hmm. Like that that is me and that's become me through experiences but it's also just a part of who I am and she's a bit at the helm right now and I I don't need her to be like I I enough of that you haven't yeah. done a very good job being at the helm so we're gonna give you a different assignment I love you anyway bye it's so funny that you see yours as a dominatrix it doesn't surprise me and I love that about you so much I kind of view mine as like a like my, my bold child that I hid a lot. Mm. Like I see, there was a part of me, I grew up in the Bronx and a lot of people are like, where's your Bronx Liz? And I'm like, I really miss her. Yeah. I didn't like, I, I, yeah, I don't want to get too much into that, but so, yeah, it's just interesting how, like, this is just for everyone to know, like, it doesn't have to look one way or another. It's, it's when you connect with that part of you, you're kind of like, Oh, she's great. (laughs) <laughs> I love her. Well, cool. Again, do a different job, but like, yeah. to be ashamed of shame is the operating system that says, Ooh, you don't like that. Let's push her away. Let's put her yeah. back yeah. in the back and not talk to her. And then she gets more mad and continues projecting in the wildest ways. So yeah. yeah. Sorry. I know you said like narrow it down to just three, which I did, but I did. about it. I do too. I, <laughs> And I, I love talking with you about this because you, it's so hard talking about this work because it's something that has to be experienced, right? Like, and so to be able to talk with someone who has experienced it, there's just so much to say, but our words are just the signposts to the actual thing. And I even wonder, like, as people are listening, I'm like, are they getting like, do you, is it is it coming across like is the magic of this work can it even be conveyed can it be summarized you know can it be can words even do it justice honestly i i mean i hope so like <laughs> i was thinking about how when i i remember when i was first listening to you i was kind of like that can happen mm-hmm. that is that's a possibility through this yeah. um but oh, there was something else you mentioned that I I had a thought about. Um, oh, I mentioned this a bit earlier, I think, of this work is so beautiful because sometimes love or emotions, there are no words. Like language is limited. We don't really, 
we're stunted by our language a bit. So we constantly try and explain what's happening or what our experience is, which is why I keep being like, oh, side note, I know what you're thinking and please know that I've been there. Um, And what's beautiful about this work and one of my favorite activities that we do in, in group sessions is don't tell me how you're feeling, show me. And whenever people show, I'm like, oh my gosh, first of all, I do it. And then I understand either I'm doing their movement and it's releasing something for me or, and, or I'm understanding their emotion in, in a way that's like, it feels like an, uh, a release for me too. And an understanding of what's going on. So maybe, <laughs> maybe we do like a dance movement story. I've actually thought of <laughs> fantasize a little bit about like doing a one woman play of my journey, but like no words, just do it, do it. Showing the beginning, what it was like, the staticky, shaky feelings of kind of tiny, tiny little seed bean of like, don't touch me, don't look at me. And then watering that and like the growth and joy that this work. And that's like one of the most powerful ways to like integrate your experience is to do it through movement. Like I've, I've done that for myself before, like in my own journey. And it's like, holy shit. Like it really anchors you into how far you've come because the mind and the perfectionism will say like, well, but you still, you still this and you still that and you still this, but it's like when you put it in your body and, and you bring yourself back to that place, that emotional state that you were in, it's like, wow, like that. I, I I've said before, like, I feel like someone else some other entity was using my body years ago. Like when I think about that woman that I was before doing this work, I'm like, that's a, something else was inhabiting my body. And now it feels like, like you said, home, like I, this I'm in my body and whatever was taking over my body years ago, like that wasn't me. And to feel to viscerally kinesthetically know the contrast of the experience of of who I was and what I was going through and what my mind was like and how I felt versus what I experience now. It's such a beautiful thing. I love that you phrased it that way, the way that I've kind of viewed it. I again I keep saying I mentioned this earlier, but I did a little bit. Oh, sorry, my cat was trying to end this meeting. No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude. Um, I'm not done. <laughs> um, is that I think for me personally, the way that I viewed it, because I'm also very visual, is that through that experience for and for so long, my aura, like my energetic orb was weakening and weakening and weakening because I didn't have boundaries. I didn't have all of these ways of connecting with my energy, like my literal mm-hmm. energy. I was not aware of it. I was just doing the things that I was reading on a blog that was like, oh, make cookies and you'll feel better, Um, (laughs) which was fun, but like not what I needed. Um, So my my aura was being weakened and that I was tapping into this universal consciousness. So I was actually seeing how much pain we're in the world. And I was feeling that and believing it to be true about me. It was like taking it on because my energy was so vulnerable. So that's also why I was saying that like you go far away from home and it just latches on to anything it can because you're not 
I don't want to say protected, but I guess that kind of is like, you're not putting up this shield around you of love to say like, I know these things are here and they can flow through me rather than like getting stuck in my energy. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, a lot of us who are more anxious also tend to just absorb everything around us. And there, there is no delineation between me, my energy, my home and all, all the other pain and suffering that's out there. And like, to be able to truly have like empathy and compassion, we need to be able to remain connected to our own energy and not absorb and take on because then what, how helpful can we be if we are drowning in the pain of the world around us? And this is something I've had to work on a lot. So, but Oh my gosh. I can't imagine as a therapist, how often you have to like be able to be with, but not take on someone else's. And I think that that again is the beauty of this work. Yes. Like I I said this in group the other day of like, and I'm still working on this. So I I understand right now it's like an intellectual intellectualization of this thought of like uh, boundaries are love. So when this energy is trying to come through us and we, we hold it and we stop it. Cause we're like, Oh, I'll take this on. Mm. We're hurting ourselves and we're hurting th- that energy flow. So when we create boundaries, if you want to look at it just energetically, it's out of love for the other person that's coming to us. But yeah, I know again, going off on a tangent, but just like understanding that you have to protect yourself and your energy. And also at the same time, I feel like as I was healing myself through this um, universal consciousness that was coming, as I'm creating this boundary around myself, I'd love to believe in like a meta sense that we're helping heal the universal consciousness too by allowing it to flow and not creating so many ebbs that we then hold and store. And it's unnecessary. It's not a part of it, obviously, is the human experience. It's why we're here. I believe so. But um, I think we're also here to to practice allowing the flow. Um, yeah. <laughs> as, as we heal our own stuff, we're healing a facet of universal consciousness because we're part of the, the whole. And when one part experiences healing, it affects the whole. And if we're continually just absorbing and taking on more and more and more suffering and more suffering, we're not participating in the healing of, of the whole. We're just perpetuating. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So powerful y'all. This is the kind of wisdom that your body will reveal to you. It's freaking awesome. Um, the final question I have for you is how are you continuing to implement this work in your life today? Because something I never want to give the impression of is that healing is a one and done set and forget. It's a magic pill you take and you never have difficult emotions ever again. And life is just like, life never feels challenging ever again. And like this perfectionist mindset. So I, I want to hear how, how is this still alive in you? And in your life recently? Uh, it's funny you bring up perfectionist. I, in the beginning, when we would talk about perfectionism, I was like, I'm not a perfectionist. I'm kind of a slob. <laughs> like, I don't care about being perfect. But now like that I've gotten so many other things resolved, or at least like flowing, 
I am seeing so much of my perfectionist coming through. And she was there throughout this process, like, like what we were talking about of, wait, they're not setbacks, they're revisiting? Revisitations, yeah. <laughs> um, whenever those would come up, it was my perfectionist self would really get down on me. So, okay. So that's all to say that this is a work in progress. And like you just said, it kind of never ends. I just think that as you continue to do it, your capacity expands, your window of tolerance expands so that you aren't so triggered. Or if you, you are triggered by something, which you inevitably would be, you're human it's a good thing to be triggered in a way because triggers are signs and our nervous system is here to tell us, but we want to, we want to train it to accurately yes. <laughs> tell us rather than like, Oh my God, my boyfriend loves me. This is unsafe. Yeah. Um, so it's still a work in progress in the sense of like, I just had a thing happen last night and becoming aware of those patterns helps you notice them in the moment. Mm -hmm. And then it helps me do my best to not to ch I, I want to say change it in the moment. But then again, that like we were talking about of like rushing home, that's not what it is. But just noticing something that happened last night was I was triggered by something my boyfriend said. And I felt like the heaviness that comes with when I'm triggered, which typically I think the heaviness for me, what I've learned is my free state. So I shut down. I, I can't like, cannot talk because mm. I'm so shut down. Um, so it's about noticing what's happening and then kind of being like, okay, this isn't home. Um, again, bringing that concept up of like that discernment of this does not feel like home in my body um and being patient with myself and um actually something we did in group today was Sarah was talking about feeling the emotions being with them and asking asking yourself am i safe can i be with this emotion and am i safe and unless you're again in an abusive relationship, which I know that you are constantly reminding people that that's a different story, but most of the time you are, if you're in a healthy, loving relationship, you are safe. So stopping when you realize that happens for me, I feel tightness. It's like a, a dark gray rod from my solar plexus up to my throat. And it feels so tight. And it's like, throbbing mm -hmm. and I just try and be with that um and recognize it for what it is and ask myself if I'm safe and I can handle that um and then also aside from that I am now more than ever and again a year ago I was like how could that be possible I can't even imagine I'm playing more I am dancing to Beyonce's Renaissance album in my kitchen again which is ooh, so, so huge for me because that was so triggering. I couldn't listen to music, let alone dance. Um, but, it, and then it's feeling what joy feels like too. Mm -hmm. So that there is this understanding of like, okay, home, 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 home. This is home. I'm feeling like me 
it, 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 it's not bad or good. It is just this, like, I'm here. We're chilling. This is great. So it's really, it's connecting with my body, my emotional body and being able to say, Ooh, okay. You know, I was just venting to my coworker for not really a very good reason. I might be a little like my nervous system might be a little fighty right now. So small moments of like recognizing that and kind of like a lot of what I've been doing lately is roaring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. with that, Chelsea, you were like, I feel like you just need to roar. And I was like, huh? <laughs> or <laughs> I'm going to go do that BRB. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's been so helpful and it could be a roar that turns into a sob that turns into me laughing. Like it doesn't matter. It's an expression of whatever feeling is there. Mm. And I know Dr. Russell Kennedy says this a lot, but it's um, sensation without explanation. Yep. Is that yeah? So it's so much of that of just like okay, I just need to release this sensation, however it needs me to. Mm-hmm. Um, that coupled with I need to embrace yeah. the sensation. I need to embrace the fact that like when my boyfriend looks at me and looks at me with love for a moment, I don't shut down or I don't push him away or like mentally say, I don't deserve this or even feel that closed offness. Um, it's gone from a second to a minute to sometimes full days. Um, and I know that there's so much progress that's going to be done there. Um, but yeah, it's like seeing that and being like, I know what that feels like that home feeling. I'm going to seek that, or I'm going to connect to that when it's there stay with it. Like being able to stay with whatever is passing through your body, whatever emotion or sensation and not pathologizing it or putting a story to it, like, and actually being able to let it move through you. Right. Yeah. And I wanted to say too, like not labeling them either. Um, we talked about this today because, um, someone just mentioned like, you know, I did good, 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 good. And then I did bad, bad, bad. And it was kind of like, I think someone could probably see me roaring and laughing and crying hysterically as bad. (laughs) And like something is wrong. (laughs) And I could easily do that as well. But instead, it's just what is it's just what is happening. And I I'm going to release it. I'm going to laugh about it. And then I'm going to move on. Um, it's been really cool. That's a really cool connection to have with yourself. It feels like myself is this really loving person. That's kind of like, you're silly or like, <laughs> yes, get it out, get it out. Good. Good. It's like this, like purge that just feels like I'm by connecting to self. It feels, doesn't feel good, but it feels great. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. Physically, emotionally, no. But then there is this part of me that's like, thank God I have done this. I'm releasing this thing that feels yucky. Mm. Yeah. You're able to like follow what it is that your body needs and and be connected with your body's inherent wisdom of how to process things. Totally. Oh, so amazing. So amazing. I feel like. I feel like this is probably the most needed podcast episode to date. Like people 
I want people to understand like what is possible and and to get a glimmer of the the experience of that and and it's almost like they're peeking into the experience through your eyes and so I'm just so grateful that you're that you've volunteered and and chosen to like show us your experience and let us in and let us see you and I'm I just know that this is going to be such a game changer for so many people. And I, I, when I asked you to do this, you were saying how you used to listen to other podcast episodes of people t- talking about their progress and how amazing it is that now you're going to be that person for someone else. Someone else is going to listen to this and be like, oh my God, one day, like I, I want to get to that place too. And, and now I have like a real goalpost. Like I have a, I have real, like something real to look at and say, okay, this was possible for her. This is how she got there. So that, that means maybe it's possible for me too. So thank you for that gift. Oh, I am so, I'm so honored to be able to provide. I mean, I hope that I've, I've done a good job. (laughs) I, again, I'm like, oh, there's that word, but I do. I hope that I've been able to show people that I've been there. And I know, like, I promise you, if you're listening, I promise you, I understand what you're going through. Like the deep, dark depths of what OCD, anxiety, shame, guilt, like all of it, all of it. I I know what that's like. And I also know that it takes, again, a lot of courage and um, the strength to get through this so much patience, so much self-compassion. It's not easy. Um, again, I keep saying again, but again, I, (laughs) it's the hardest work of my life. Like I, this year was such a challenge for me. And so many people have like watched me grow. Even my manager was like, you are a completely different human than you were a year ago. Yeah. What? I know even in my workplace, it's showing up. I mean, my partner of course says it too, because he saw the worst of it. Um, love him so much for loving me through that truly. Um, but yes, I'm really thankful to, to share my experience with people. And I did want to be honest about the, the depth and the scariness of the intrusive thoughts, because there's a lot of shame behind sharing that. And I'm here to say that I've had the gnarliest intrusive thoughts and it's not that they still don't come up, but now I'm able to say, "Hmm, I know what that is. I know that's not me. Um, I know that's shame. Like you were saying what that feeling that comes up, I know is shame. So yes, Mm -hmm. I'm here to say it's possible, but it's not without work and dedication for yourself and patience. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for sharing that, for sharing your wisdom, for, for letting us in, for pulling back the curtain and letting us see you. And you know how much I love you and like what, what a true like joy it is to work with you. And I, what I love about healing embodied is like, yes, you're my client, but like, I feel like we're co-creating something like we're in, we're both an equal part of this process. And as much as 
you may think I'm giving you, you're also like, I'm receiving so much from you as well. So I just, I love having you in my life very much. Oh, it's so sweet. You, you know, what's great is that some time ago I would have had a very hard time receiving that. And I am oh. receiving that Chelsea and I'm reciprocating um, because the feeling is so mutual and I've said it a thousand times and I'll say it a thousand times more that I'm so <laughs> thankful. I came across your account and an OCD spiral. <laughs> I'm thankful. I came across healing embodied. And then I learned about, and that I learned about you all. Um, Hmm. Yeah, I'm sitting with this and and receiving it too. I'm I'm also working on expanding my capacity to to receive like love and and gratitude. So I'm I'm receiving this with you as well. And I like I will speak. For, I know I've said this, but from a mountaintop about the work. I'll talk about your business. I'll hand out flyers. <laughs> I'm only like in a small town in upstate New York, but I will do whatever. One of those spinning, uh, those big spinning signs, like on the side of the street, like oh yes, doing my dance moves to Beyonce, but just a photo of Chelsea. <laughs> oh, I love it! I love it so much. Um, something I wanted to share um, for those who are listening, Sarah and I had a big, big, big meeting yesterday, and. The thing that we always come up against is like, like I mentioned earlier, is it's so hard to verbally convey this work. And our clients over and over again are always like, I didn't know until I experienced it. I didn't know until I experienced it. Like experiencing it is a whole different thing. And right, like little Instagram graphics are not going to even scratch the surface of what it is to actually experience this work. So Sarah and I are trying this new thing and we're going to be trying to run regular workshops called the experience where you can come and experience being coached by us, like in real time, doing the somatic work. Um, Cause we just want more people to have the experience. Cause we know a lot of people are hesitant about like, you know, committing to a program or, you know, like, it's a lot of time. It's a big investment. So, but we know that like once people experience how powerful this work is, you're like, oh, oh yeah, I'm in. So we want people to have the, the opportunity to experience uh, a better taste of it that our Instagram is not going to be able to provide. Um, again, the Instagram and what we talk about on Instagram is just kind of like the signposts, but the the actual work is just so much deeper. So our first uh, experience, our first the experience uh, session is going to be February twenty first. So I'm going to post all those details in the show notes. I'm having the link made now, and hopefully, if it goes well, if people, if it's something people really benefit from, we'll run more in the future. But just so people can have not just hear it from other people, but also be able to witness it in real time, like what it is that we're doing. That is so exciting. That's brilliant too, because it really is, again, you, you take a chance and you sign up and you're like, oh, I don't know if this is going to work or not. And it's not until you start doing it that you believe it. But if you just try it out, a session with you, I mean, I've I have changed my view on the world, like I, on myself and how I interact and engage, like 
That's really exciting. I'm very excited for all of you out there. <laughs> too. I'm excited too. We're like, you know, getting new inspiration for like, you know, how to, for so long, I feel like dance movement therapy has been like a best kept secret. Like, and I'm ready to make it like, I want the world to know like what this work is and not just dance movement therapy, because even from dance therapist to dance therapist, it can look very different. I think very specifically, Sarah, me and Mariana have created something very unique, even as dance therapists. And I'm just so in love with what we do. And I, I want more and more people to be able to, to have what it is that you're speaking to Liz. So thank you so much for being here. And I, I hope that other people will also um, want to jump in and experience this too. Do it. <laughs> All right, Liz, thank you so much for being here. This was awesome. You're the best and I'll be seeing you soon. <laughs>